Hey there, people-powered business community. Are you ready to transform the way you handle difficult conversations in your business? If so, I'd love you to join me for the Mastering Difficult Conversations workshop that I'm running next week. In just three interactive online sessions on the 18th, 20th and 22nd of March, you'll discover your unique leadership style, you'll master the art of impactful communication by learning the translation code, and you will build your personalized difficult conversations framework. Imagine tackling tricky team talks with confidence and ease, all for the special price for you listeners of just $47. But hurry, spots limited to ensure that we have an engaging experience for everyone. It's time to go from overwhelmed to empowered and lead your business with confidence. Just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au forward slash workshop to secure your seat now. Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 143 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. It's wonderful to have you here. If you are one of our new listeners, and I know we've got some new listeners here to the podcast over the last few weeks, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here and I really hope you're enjoying uh, the episodes that you're listening to. And for our regular returning listeners, welcome back. It is always great to have you join us here on the podcast. Now, today we are chatting about um, something that I actually find really fascinating, and it forms part of a lot of the work I do with the consulting clients I work with, and of course, with our members of People Powered HR, when we start to unpack and discuss organizational structure. And I guess for me, I see things in a certain way, and I can very quickly see the pieces of the puzzle and know that uh, something's not quite right here and we're going to have some uh, bottlenecks or some issues in our business when the structure's a little off. But I actually recently went to investigate this very topic, which is how many people can report to any one person in a business for things to be effective or at what point really does it become ineffective because I had some anecdotal thoughts of my own about this uh, just from what I'd seen work in other businesses that and you know I guess I've worked with thousands of businesses over the last 10 years so I certainly had some experience and some thoughts but I I went and did a little research a little bit of digging recently uh, because I was working with a business whose structure was clearly chaotic And one of the things I spotted straight away and I said to the CEO was, uh, there's too many people reporting into this one role. And, you know, it was a a bit of a conversation about, oh, it'll be fine. And I knew that it wasn't quite right, but I, I didn't have, I guess, the research behind me to demonstrate it. So I went looking and I found some really interesting articles about this. And so I thought it was a great topic to chat about on the podcast because it is something that pops up all the time. I think a lot of small businesses think that they don't actually need structure and that an organizational chart is something that is only for bigger businesses. But I like to challenge that. I actually think structure is really important and we don't have it 
things get messy and typically messy becomes hard. So today we're going to chat about structure and why it matters. I want to share with you the magic number, the ideal number of direct reports that any one position can manage. And then I want to unpack some of the things that are going to influence that <laughs> I just think I just lost my work there, that are going to influence the right number for any role in your business, because it can go up or down by a certain percentage, depending on five variables or five factors. But let's start from the top. Let's start with actually talking about why structure matters. I like to look at it this way. Getting your structure right in your business is very similar to when you're building a home and you need to get the foundations right for everything else to even have half a chance of working. Without the right foundations, the house falls apart or things certainly are on a slant, possibly. It's the same as the structure in our business. Without the right structure, we end up with a wobbly team. We end up with roles not quite working right. We end up with gaps, possibly, and we end up with surplus with people in the business that actually aren't at full capacity because we haven't structured it correctly. And we end up with a situation where things ultimately start to go wrong. And what I've really learned to be true, particularly recently, I've worked on a couple of projects recently where this has really been highlighted, is that when our structure is messy, things get hard. There's two businesses I've worked with recently where I've seen this play out. In one case, they had a structure. And honestly, I looked at it and I said to the person I was working with, I don't know how you operate like this because there were people everywhere. And it didn't make any logical sense for the services that the business was trying to deliver. There were roles that existed that were completely unnecessary. And there were gigantic gaps of a really critical skill set in the business. And there were people reporting to this person and that person and the other person without any logic or sense to it. And it was messy and it was proving to be hard to kind of wrangle and manage. It's like when you're uh, trying to, I guess, herd sheep. It's hard when it's messy, where when they're all going the same direction, it gets a little easier. And similarly, another business I, I worked with, they had a structure where people were reporting to people that they didn't actually work for day to day. And so trying to manage performance was, of course, a massive challenge because the direct line manager didn't have a sense of the work quality, the work output, the performance, yet was trying to performance manage these people. And it's messy. And then ultimately what happened in that case is the staff were confused. They didn't really understand why they were reporting to that person or why that person had any say in their development. They defaulted to going to a different manager because that's who they were working for, essentially. And things get messy when that happens. And I like to make things simple and not messy and not hard. And so I love getting the right structure. But what I know to be true also is that as we sort of grow our business, our tendency is to create like a Frankenstein model where we just bolt stuff on as we think we need it, or it becomes urgent, or we've got a gap. And it ends up forming this freakish situation where we've got something that might've worked for one thing, but doesn't work well anymore. And if you're interested in exploring creating the right structure for your business right now, 
I'm going to point you way back in the archives to episode number 22 of this podcast, where I unpacked an activity that I call the clean slate exercise. It's a super valuable planning exercise. I sh- Every year, at least once inside People Powered HR, we do our clean slate exercise because it is so powerful in creating structure and the right structure. And until you do an exercise like that, you're not going to create the right structure. So I'm going to put a link to episode 22 in today's show notes, or you can just go back in the archives after you've listened to today's episode, um, navigate to episode 22, which is called The Value of a Clean Slate, and work through the exercise. You'll find it really, really powerful, I assure you. So structure is important. We've established that. So what is this magic number of which I speak? How many direct reports can any one position have? The general consensus is, and I, as I said, I dug a little deeper and I did a lot of research, is that any one manager must have fewer than eight direct reports, assuming that manager has no other responsibilities other than managing that team. Now, I don't know about you, but in small business, I do not know a manager who has no other responsibilities other than managing a team. Most of our managers are also operational, aren't they? They're doing things in their job as well as being the manager. So if the assumption is that a manager should have fewer than eight direct reports, if they're not doing anything else, clearly by reasoning, if they are doing other things, the number's going to get less because you can't manage that many people if you've also got operational requirements to your role. The magic number is number seven. That's the magic number of direct reports that any one role can manage. I will caveat that, though, by saying it is also widely accepted that it's seven plus or minus two. So in some cases, you can manage more than seven people. I'm going to share with you some examples of that in a moment, and in many, many, many cases, seven is too many. And seven's the number that I've been using anecdotally in the work I've been doing for at least the last 10 years. If we are hitting a situation where any manager in a business I'm supporting is managing anywhere between five and seven people, I'm starting to say, we need to create some more layers here. We need a different structure. And it's the same when we're first growing our team. Seven is a growing pains point. We talk about growing pains all the time inside People Powered HR because we're all growing businesses. When you've got seven staff, you will hit growing pains. You will start to feel like you're spending a lot of time managing people and not so much time getting stuff done. That's definitely a growing pains. Eleven, for some reason, is another one, which is a really interesting number. But seven is definitely one of those times when I'll have a business owner say to me, I just, I can't seem to get enough time. I spend all my days managing people. I can never get to the work I want to do. Because seven, because every manager should have fewer than eight direct reports, even if they have no other responsibilities. And as a business owner, we get a whole lot of other responsibilities that we're dealing with. So seven plus or minus two. And in theory, flatter structures tend to have more direct reports. So they're closer to the seven than more hierarchical structures. In hierarchical structures, the numbers tend to be lower. And that has a lot to do with the the span of control that that one manager might have over things. And what I want to say is that small businesses think that hierarchies are only for big businesses. And I want to dispel that myth right now. I don't believe that we should have unnecessary hierarchy in our teams. I actually think it creates drama when we do. 
But by trying to keep the structure so flat that one person has so many direct reports, things start to fall through the cracks. And as you grow your business, you've got to add some layers of structure in there. Not too many, just enough. It's like Goldilocks. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. So what are the factors that influence this number? What are the factors that influence whether seven is the right number for you? There's actually five things. And as I mentioned, it kind of comes down to this concept of span of control. How how big is the zone we're kind of looking after in the business? That definitely has an impact on things. Um, because in a flatter structure where we're looking after the entire business, the numbers are bigger. So that, that definitely factors in. But there's five influences that have an impact on how many people any one person can effectively manage. Let's run through them. First, the first issue is the complexity of the work that the team is performing. The more complex and intricate the work, the fewer people one person can manage. The more repetitive, straightforward and simple the work, the more people any one person can manage. Really simple example. Think about a call center. Think about a call center where all the staff are answering the same types of calls, the same types of questions, it's repetitive answers. Think about a call center where all you're doing is calling to update your payment details for your car insurance or something like that. It's repetitive, it's consistent, the team are all doing the exact same thing. In that scenario, that team leader or that manager can manage more than seven people easily. They might be able to manage like 15 people because it is so simplified and so repetitive and so consistent. So definitely they are on the plus side of seven in that case. Now think about a complex consultancy practice, like when I had my HR consultancy practice where I had a huge team of consultants. You can't have too many people under your remit when your staff are dealing with complex matters that are unique in nature, that are bespoke, that change with every client, when the work is more complex, like it is in a consulting practice, in an allied health therapy practice potentially, um, I think lots of examples where the work is far more complex, maybe an engineering firm where you're working on different projects, seven is too many for any one manager. They can't be across the complexities of the tasks, the various challenges, the different types of work, the different projects, the different um, uh, timeframes that are going on, deadlines and so forth. In that scenario, seven is way too much. If the person is doing just management and no like clinical load or professional consulting load, then maybe the number could be five. But if they are also a therapist or a consultant or an engineer doing engineering work in the team, for example, then the number is not five. The number is probably three or even two because they've got their own operational work that they're doing on top of their management responsibility. So the more complex the work that the team is producing, the fewer number of direct reports any one manager can handle effectively. That's the first thing. Secondly, the experience level of the team. The more experienced and capable the team is, the higher the number. The less experienced and skilled and possibly qualified the team, the lower the number. Think about a scenario where you have ever had to manage a junior, a trainee, or an apprentice. We've all had to at some point. How much time do those 
cohorts those individuals take to manage. They take a lot of time. I love it when a client comes to me and says, I'm going to hire a trainee. There's really good government incentives and it's cheap labor and that'll be great. And with full expectation that this trainee is going to be able to do the job of their customer service person. And I have to try and warn them. Trainees require a lot of handholding, a lot of training, a lot of time, a lot of patience. If you've got low skilled or low experienced staff on your team, you cannot manage as many of them effectively. So the lower the experience level of the team, the fewer direct reports any one person can manage. That's the second issue. The third issue is what is your acceptable error rate? How precise and detailed does this work need to be? Let's think about a factory floor. If you've got a team of people cutting things to length and if they cut it wrong, you have to throw it out and the wastage is high, you can't have too many people under your remit because you won't be able to keep an eye on them closely enough. Uh, I'm thinking of one of our people-powered, in fact, two of our people-powered HR members who um, install blinds and furnishings and window furnishings into people's homes. The acceptable error rate in those businesses is very, very low, very low, because if you're a millimetre out when you measure up for the blinds or the curtains, more, more so the blinds than curtains, I guess there's a little wriggle room there, but you have to replace it. And it's if it's a bespoke blind that you're building, it's not going anywhere else. You can't resell it. You've lost immediately. So those details, that high detail work, you have fewer people reporting in because you couldn't have 10 people running around doing that and you're trying to keep an eye on the precision of the work. So the, the I guess, the reduced error rate acceptance, I'm thinking again, going back to the medical field, we don't want mistakes. No mistakes, please. So you can't have too many people being supervised by any one person if the acceptable error rate is low. The fourth issue is the depth of the leadership skills of the person in this role. This makes a big difference. I remember many years ago, I was working with a, uh, let's call them allied health. It's a medical kind of center practice of some sort. And they were throwing some of their best technical people into newly created leadership roles with teams of I want to say six to 10 staff. These people had no leadership skills, were given no leadership training, and were put in charge of a big team of difficult personalities, of people that were their peers two weeks prior, which is a very challenging leadership role to step into, and were basically told to sink or swim. Most of them did not swim. <laughs> Obviously, they were set up to fail. So if someone doesn't have well-developed leadership skills, if this is their first leadership role, seven is a big, big ask. I would say five is a big ask. In their first leadership role, a smaller team is going to help set them up for success and help them develop those leadership roles more, leadership skills more, I should say. So the depth of leadership skills has to be a consideration. And again, uh, the fifth element that we need to consider is how dynamic is the environment? When I say dynamic, what I mean is how much change happens in this environment? How much do we need to keep on top of consistent changes, new developments, things being implemented? If you think about a high-tech firm that's on the cutting edge of the latest technology in a particular sector, things are probably changing by the minute, let alone by the hour or by the day. That reduces your capacity to manage a large team of people. 
when you've got that much change and dynamics going on. Or if you're in a much more consistent business where things don't change, they're very consistent day to day. Um, Let's say, for example, again, go back to our call center analogy. So you're in the call center, the types of calls haven't changed, the types of uh, customers you're dealing with haven't changed, the processes haven't changed, things are very consistent. You can, you can definitely supervise more people in that capacity. So how dynamic and changing and evolving the environment is, that will dictate also the capacity of managers to lead teams of people. So let's recap these five influence points. How complex is the work? What is the experience level of the team? What is your acceptable error rate? How are their leadership skills? And how stable or dynamic is the environment? They're the factors they're going to tell us, is it more than seven? Is it less than seven? And how far less than seven are we talking is really important as well. I hope that's helped as you've been thinking about your structure. And I do hope you go and listen to episode 22 and do the clean slate exercise. Because so often as our business grows and as things morph and develop and we Frankenstein things a little, we end up with teams that are bigger than what any one person can manage. And when we do that to one of our team members, whilst they feel important and acknowledged because they're in a leadership role, we are ultimately setting them up to fail if these influence factors are telling us that it should be less than seven. We're giving them a task that is unsustainable and no one wants to leave work feeling like they haven't coped, feeling like they've failed, feeling like they're just paddling furiously and getting nowhere. That's not a great feeling. So it doesn't fill them with a sense of engagement and motivation to come back the next day. And think about it for yourself as a business owner or a manager in your teams. Put these influence factors over things and really look at how many people you can effectively manage. How big are the departments? How complex is the work? And I know it can be scary when we hit this point and we have to actually hand over some reins of control to someone else to manage things in a particular team, but so important that we take that step because that is what helps us grow our business. So to recap, structure is essential to creating a sound business, to creating a sustainable business. Do your clean slate exercise. Without it, it's messy and messy is hard. No one manager should be managing more than seven direct reports unless you've got a very systemized, very simple workflow with very straightforward work done by experienced staff. Everyone else should be less than seven and the exact number will depend on these influence factors that we ran through today. Hopefully running through that gives you some ideas as to how you might need to change the structure of your business or where you might have some capacity issues about to be stretched to their limits and you may need to look at making some change. Now, if you have some further questions about this or you are interested in joining the conversation about structure and about reports and how many people for any one role, I'd love for you to join us over in our Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. I'll put the link in today's show notes, but if you go over to Facebook groups and search HR Support Australia, you will find us right there. I look forward to seeing you there and I can't wait to chat to you again next week on the People Powered Business Podcast. Have an awesome week.